friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. everybody and welcome to this week's guest interview. Today we are talking with Becca Ellison. Welcome Becca to the show. Thanks for having me Lauren. Yeah I'm so excited that you're here and today we are going to be diving into photography which I know is something that a lot of people struggle with so I'm really excited to hear what Becca has to say and to hear all the tips that she gives us. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us about your background and how you got started and what you do. Yeah. So my business is Rebecca Ellison Creative. I've been a professional full-time photographer since 2005, which in the internet world, that makes me ancient, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) I got a degree in commercial photography back in the day when that was a thing that you did. And I really wanted to be a product photographer. So I kind of have like a winding path that's taken to me to where I am in my business today. But I worked in the studios of like, Nordstrom.com and assisting on the shoots like the product and the fashion shoots that they did there for many years, learned a ton of things, realized that I didn't want to be an in-studio type fashion photographer, fell into weddings, did that for a lot of years. And then a handful of years ago, realized I need my weekends back because I have a young family and decided to pivot into helping small businesses do branding photography and product photography because it's been crazy to watch how many people are able to start either side hustles or full-time hustles nowadays online. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I do branding photography and product photography, and I like to share all of my tips and stuff on my website to help people do a better job when they need to do it themselves as well. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's great. I love that the path was kind of winding, but always within this realm of photography. But obviously, I'm sure that that industry has changed a huge amount with like phones with cameras and the internet and (laughs) online sales and Instagram and all of those things. Yeah, it's been fun and insane to watch it shift because like when back in 2005, when I started, digital was just a new thing. Like most of the photographers out there were still shooting film and it was really, really hard, especially when thinking product photography specifically, like you had to really know what you were doing to make sure to get a good photo and having your own little side shop, like what people can have in Etsy and whether you have it as a side shop is like a little side income or like a full-fledged multi six-figure business is something that wasn't attainable then, but is now and you can literally do it with your smartphone or an SLR. It's really, it's been fun and insane to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it's just unreal, like moving forward, you think, where's this going to go? Like, when I was graduating from college, text messaging was just starting. And I don't think I'm that old. (laughs) But maybe that's always your perception of yourself. (laughs) I have the same thing. That's why I say I'm like, I feel like I've been around for forever in the internet world, because people are like, Oh, I just, you know, started taking pictures, and I got better. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, I mean, I learned from like old school, legitimate commercial photographers and like shot on film and did the whole thing, which people are like, you shot on what? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So what kind of tips do you have for those of us who would not say that photography is in our wheelhouse of expertise? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have some great tips for you guys. So as an Etsy seller, like 
the photo that you share that showcases your product is critical like super, super critical to having success in getting people's attention. Because if you think about it, like I'm looking right now at just Etsy.com and looking at all of these like essentially two inch by three inch squares and you have to stand out and attract via the photo. And if your photo looks like a random snapshot, it's not going to work, right? So my tips are, I have a handful of them, but first of all, don't overcomplicate it. Like we can all get in our head and we can hop onto Google and start Googling all these different things and find out about like, oh, I need to buy this light or I need to buy this or I need to do that or I need to make it this extravagant thing. And no, you do not at all. Your smartphone is 100% capable. And I would say, I'll put a caveat. Your smartphone, as long as it is three years old or less, is more than capable. If you're rocking like an iPhone 6, it might be time to upgrade or use a different type of camera. Um, you're speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, friend. <laughs> the reason why, the reason why that matters so much is because the older cameras, the sensor inside that captures the image gets when you're not in like an ample amount of light the image starts to get really grainy and it starts to look kind of funky looking and the colors start to shift a little bit. And no matter how much processing or adjusting you try and do to make it look good, it's not going to look good. And that will might not show up so much on that little thumbnail, but when somebody clicks on the picture and wants to look at it big, it's going to show up there and it's going to detract from the sellability of your item. Yeah. I think that that's really good. And I love that you say not to overcomplicate it because so many times I see people who are just getting started and and I've fallen prey to this as well, but it becomes sort of this roadblock that they can't get past like, well, but first I need to buy a light box and some photography lights. And then I need to find like this unicorn sunshiny day where I can get, you know, my brand new camera out of the box and learn how to become a professional photographer and it becomes such an overwhelming process that they they get stuck right and they can't like really make any moves to move forward <laughs> so i think that that's a great advice to just you know to take it where you are and start with what you have yeah if you have your smartphone like say I have an iPhone, so I'm probably going to slip up and say iPhone a handful of times through this interview. But literally, if you have a Google phone, an Android phone, it doesn't matter what it is. If you have a smartphone that is three years old or less, you have a phenomenal piece of equipment in your hands. And then if you have a decent sized window that gets light at some point in time during the day and a 16 by 20 white foam core board from your nearest drugstore, you can create a beautiful photo. That is literally all you need. Great. So let's yeah. talk about how to do that. <laughs> so the window, like having a big open window that has ambient light. So like if it's an overcast day, totally fine. If it's a bright sunny day, as long as sun is not directly shining into that window, like you don't want direct light. Okay that's totally fine too. You just want nice ambient light. So like pay attention to where you are, like pay attention in your office, in your kitchen, in your living room, wherever it is that you happen to be and pay like for the next two days, just watch the amount of light that you have. And since we're going into wintertime, this is probably going to be like 
the, well, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, which where it's always gray. So it's like now is when we have the least amount of light, but you can still see when you have more ample light at a certain time of day versus another in an area of your house. Right. Okay. Did that make sense? That was kind of rambling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was fine. So I'm just saying like, look around and pay attention to that and go, Oh, you know what? That window by my kitchen table has a good amount of light coming in at 2 p.m. Okay, I'm going to take some pictures at 2 p.m. and I'm going to use that window. One quick addendum is that try and pick a window that doesn't have like a tree directly outside of it that's blocking your light and also coloring your light. Because if you have light that has to go through foliage, it's going to turn your light green, which is going to turn your photo green. And you don't want that. Huh. Okay. That's good to know. So can we talk about like sort of different environments because so you're in the Pacific Northwest where there's not a lot of direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. I actually also used to live in Portland and got some fantastic photographs while I was there because I could take them on my front porch and there was never any direct sunlight because it's always cloudy. <laughs> but what if you're in Uh, an environment or a climate where like I've had a student before that was in England where it also is rainy a lot of the time or alternatively somebody who lives somewhere where it's really really bright and sunny and so it's hard to get that non-direct light so direction isn't bad you just don't want like the hard sunlight where the actual beams of sun is hitting where you're going to take the picture. Having it be a bright, sunny day outside is totally fine. Just look at your window and the area around your window when there's light coming in, but the direct beams of light are not. So like if your window is east facing and is going to be sunshiny in the morning, maybe you wait till 2 p.m. when the sun is just a little bit over your house and it's not directly coming in the window, but it's still bright in that room. Does that make sense? Yeah. So maybe it might take people a few days of kind of exploring their house at different times of the day and different weather patterns to see what kind of things work in their particular home. Yes. You'll notice like literally just by listening to this podcast and thinking about it, you'll go through your day and just note, like you'll start to pick up like, oh, it's brighter there. Oh, this room is always gray and dingy. I'm going to skip this room. Okay. This area is better in the afternoon and this area is better in, in the morning. So maybe if you're shooting in the morning, you pick, you know, room B. If you're shooting in the evening, it's room A. Finding one or two spots that you use consistently is going to make your life better because then you'll just know what to expect after you shoot a couple of times. Okay. So do you always recommend that people take pictures inside or is it ever beneficial to go outside where there's obviously going to be more light directly outside? Yeah, you can absolutely go outside like how you mentioned you went outside on your front porch. If you have, I call it open shade is always great. So open shade is when you go outside and you're standing and you're in shade, but you look above you and you're not necessarily covered by anything. So like the side of a house or the edge of your porch where not when you're technically covered, but there's a lot of light coming in. That's when you're going to have really good ambient light that's bouncing around. So it's not giving you a lot of direction, which will work really good for photos. Huh. I didn't even know that I was doing that, but mine was like a partially covered porch. So (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I guess that's why it worked so well for me. Right, right. If you can get yourself so that your setup is as close to the like either the window or the edge of the shade as possible without getting any of the brighter light, brighter like direct hard light on whatever you're taking a picture of, but you're as close to it as possible, you're going to get really pretty light. All right. So as a wedding photographer, it always cracked me up because when you're photographing people, photographing people at like 1 p.m. on a sunny day and Saturday is like <laughs> the world's worst time to take pictures of somebody. And people would always be, but as a wedding photographer, you figure it out. And people would always be like, oh my God, it's bright and sunny. Isn't this amazing for photos? And in my mind, I'm like, no, it's actually really crappy, but I'm just going to shade hop. So I'm going to go from like shady spot to shady spot because that is where the camera is happy. And that is where the light is good. All right. That's a great tip. So one of the problems that I have with taking photography is that it's very hard for me to tell when I take a picture on my phone or on a camera. It happens on both for me. It's hard for me to tell if it's going to end up looking decent when I upload it to the computer. Like sometimes it looks okay on my phone, but then when I blow it up onto the computer or I get out of the light and back inside if I'm outside or whatever, it doesn't look so good. (laughs) Right. So all photos need to have a little bit of editing done to them. Like you should never assume that you could take a picture and just post it and it's going to look the best that it can. Digital doesn't really work like that. So you're going to need to edit either like if you're in your computer and you're in Lightroom or if you're editing on your phone, my suggestion is also Lightroom, which is free on your phone. You can edit and like Usually there's four things that I look at, which was one of my later tips, but we can go over it now is when you're looking at editing, look at the brightness and usually you take the picture and it looks good. Okay. On your phone. And then you take it into editing and you can pop up the brightness just by about say 10 points or so. It just makes it a little less dull because the camera is capturing it so that it has all the data, but you need to do editing to refine it and make it look the way you want it to look. So go into Lightroom or like just whatever camera or editing app, you know, Visco or Snapseed or Camera Plus 2. There's a ton of them and they all essentially work the same, but you go in and you look at the brightness and you just brighten it up just a little bit. You go into the contrast and you add a little bit of contrast. And this is most specifically when you're shooting in that ambient, more diffuse light, not direct light. Okay. And then you look at the crop and the angle. So you look at the edges and see if like, say if you're photographing something that is a rectangle and you didn't, when you took the picture, you didn't quite line it up so that it was, you know, that the line of the rectangle is a little skewed and a little like it's pointing down a little bit. You can use the cropping and the positioning to straighten those lines because that makes a huge difference in the initial perception of your photo if your lines are crooked. And that's something a lot of amateur photographers don't even notice. You either need it to be like spot on or purposely crooked. Okay. In Lightroom, it will tell you if it's crooked? So yeah, you can in Lightroom, you can, um, when you're looking at the cropping, well, so are you asking in Lightroom mobile or Lightroom on the desktop? I've only ever used Lightroom on the desktop. I've never used it on my phone. So I'm not familiar with the app. 
Sure, sure. Lightroom on your desktop, if you go into the crop, there's a straightening tool. And when you start moving the straightening tool, there will also be an overlay of a grid Ah. that shows on the, so you can see where a straight line is. You don't have to particularly eye it. Okay. So you're saying that for somebody that's taking a product photograph, that it should either be like completely off kilter, very obviously, or it should be straight. There should not be like, it's a little bit crooked, but not all the way crooked. Right. Because people will see that and they won't necessarily recognize why it looks off, but they will look at that photo and be like, that feels off to me. And they will take that feeling of it doesn't look quite right and put that feeling onto your product, not onto your photo. It's a psychological thing that people don't even recognize that they're doing. So you want to, that's why you see a lot of things, especially like cards or like frames, or I'm looking at on Etsy right now, there's like a little ornament thing. It's purposely cockeyed, Mm -hmm. like distinctly so. And they do that because it's not the easiest to get things exactly squared and correct. But if you don't do it exactly squared and correct and you're trying to, it looks off. That's really interesting because it's like such a subliminal thing, like not necessarily like you said that they would say, well, that photography is just not that great and it's slightly off kilter, but there's just something in what they're looking at that they're internalizing as like, I don't like that kind of the same way that like colors make you feel certain things. It's like the photography really sets the tone for the products that you're selling, even in ways that you might not realize. Exactly. And you can use things like to go back to simply like styling your photo by using patterns or using the same composition and how you set things up and make sure you can create interest via creating patterns. And then during it's called a pattern interruption where you're like, say you have you're photographing greeting cards and you're they're laying flat down on the ground that you're going to photograph, right? And you have they're all horizontal and they're all straight. And then the bottom left one is a vertical one. People are going to notice that vertical one because it doesn't look like the rest of them. And you can do that in a way to bring people's attention to certain things in your photo. That's another thing that when people are using height in their images, so say that exact same situation where you're photographing greeting cards laying down on, and say it's a square photo that you're going to take, and you have six of the cards that are down and then you use it really doesn't matter what you use something that makes it about an inch higher and you put one of the greeting cards on the like a riser block of some sort you can literally use handful of legos because it's not going to be seen in the photo it's just lifting the item up people's eyes are going to go to that because it's a disruption from the rest of the pattern that's really interesting and really makes me think like what I'm thinking as you're talking about this is that it is so important to actually think through what you're photographing and what you're wanting that buyer to focus on or where you're wanting their eyes to be drawn to rather than just being like, I just want to get this photography over with because, you know, a lot of people don't really like photography if they're not very good at it. It's frustrating so it ends up being like sort of this afterthought and they don't put the planning into it to actually take a picture that's going to have sort of the systematic way of drawing the attention of the buyer. Exactly. Using 
lines of how things are laid in can bring your eyes to a specific thing in the photo. There's a lot of compositional tricks that if you just pay a little bit attention, like spend a little bit more time. I know that because you guys, this isn't your forte, you're not really interested in taking the pictures. You want to get it done really quickly and move on. But if you spend a little bit more time being intentional and like, okay, this is exactly what like I want it to look exactly this way because I want attention to come to this specific product or you can see it also when people style like maybe it's a onesie that they're selling but they style it with like boots and a little picture frame and little things that also like tie in with the same idea of the onesie of like having a new baby the onesie is still the thing that's being sold but the rest of it tells the story of the emotional state your buyer is in because all of our buyers are in an emotional state of wanting something specific and your photo needs to stand out from the rest of them to say yep this is what you want and can't you see yourself owning this and if you just you know snap any old photo and throw it up you're not going to have sales yes i totally agree i think that's great advice <laughs> do you have any tips for kind of how to style those photographs or what kind of backdrop to use or anything like that. I've seen a lot, like the more traditional commercial type photos that you see for large corporations tend to be on like white backgrounds. But a lot of times what I see with the handmade sort of artisan seller is, and maybe some of it is just struggling photography in general, but it becomes looking it sort of looks like mass produced items when they throw these on like a white background and then they just have this one thing on there. It doesn't jump out as much as maybe you might think it would. Do you agree or would you say no, stick with the white backgrounds? I 100% agree. And I say don't use white backgrounds unless you are a professional photographer. I thought you were totally going to disagree with me and be like, no, backgrounds are distracting. Use white all the way. No, I think, um, so here's my issue with white. When you go to amazon.com or any large retailer that is selling something and their item is on white and it looks like it's floating there on, <laughs> on the white background of the homepage, right? That's because they have used Photoshop and a skilled editor to remove the background. I mean, it was photographed on white, but then they still went in and had to remove the actual white because if it's not fully white, it has a little edge of color. It's going to look gray and dingy in comparison to the bright white of the background of the website. Mm -hmm. And it's impossible to do without extra editing. So do not photograph it on white unless you want that white to look gray and dingy. And in turn, your photos to look gray and dingy. I totally agree. And then I think that what I've also seen is that people who are not professional photo editors or are just sort of playing around with it then really struggle in trying to make that background white when it's ever so slightly off-white. And then it ends up looking way overproduced. And then the item loses its integrity in the picture because they're doing so much editing to this photo. <laughs> well, not only that, 
by changing the tonality to like be like, oh, I can just blow out these whites real quick. And when you say blow out whites, it means the whites have no detail. The thing is, is that you're affecting your product and changing the way your product looks too. And you change the way your product looks so that the white looks good on the background. And then people buy and it shows up on their doorstep and it doesn't look anything like your photo. You're going to get a ton of returns. Right, right. I see that happen all the time where like exactly what you said, it looks over-processed and kind of funky or the colors are like the product itself is what is starting to look really altered and funky. And that's also people are going to look at that and they're going to assume that your product is that way. It's not the photo. Most people are not aware enough that they're looking at it and going, oh, that's crappy photography. <laughs> they're going to look at it and go, oh, I don't trust that that item is going to be what I want it to because it's not representing well. It's not like you're in a, like when you're in a mom and pop shop and you go and you pick up this handmade scarf that was made, you can feel it and you can look at it and you get all of the, you use all of your senses to experience this product and imagine yourself in it. When you're selling things online, you're losing every sense other than visual and you have to hit that visual sense perfectly for people to imagine themselves using it. Yes, I think that that is really, really good advice. And it is why the photography is so important with an Etsy shop, because that is what's selling your product. You know, you can do all the work you want writing up a beautiful description of why they should buy this product or why your product is just the most amazing thing ever. And if your photo of the product is absolutely terrible, you are really going to struggle to sell that product. Yeah. They're never going to see the words you used in the description or your reviews or anything. They're going to glance at that photo and notice the really good photo next to it because you're looking at a ton of thumbnails. Right. And they're going to go, oh, I want that other one. And that other person's going to get your sale. And that's not fair. (laughs) Right. I also think it's something on Etsy that really can allow you to differentiate yourself fairly easily because not that photography is easy because it's not. It can be easier if you do the same things over and over again. Like, so sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but you can get really good results that you can repeat over and over and over again once you learn a handful of tricks. It does not have to be as difficult as you might think it is. Yeah. You know, most of us are not photographing people or, you know, doing portraits or anything. So all you have to do is basically a flat lay of this product and being able to do that in a way that looks at least, if not professional, at least decent, at least clear and, you know, representing the right colors and showing your product off and all of those things. Like that is one way to really stand out on Etsy, I think, because there are a lot of people who don't put any work into it and their photos show that. I agree. And the cool thing, so I know that it's overwhelming thinking about the photos, but like once you figure out a specific look and the lighting looks good and you like the background and you have this type of feel, you actually want to replicate that for your shop. People will start to recognize, hey, you're using that same background. Hey, it has that same look. So that when, if they become familiar with your shop and they like what you do, when they're looking through all the different thumbnails, your photo is going to pop out to them because it looks 
similar than as other ones, even though it's got the different product in it. I'm definitely not saying you have to recreate the wheel or create something different and new, especially if you sell the same type of items over and over and over again. You can essentially do the same image, the same background, same everything, just swapping out your products and get great results as long as that initial setup that you did created a good result in the first place and then just batch and repeat. Yes, absolutely. And then it's something that you can use for years and years when you, you know, I have photos that I took when I opened my shop like seven years ago that I still use those same pictures because yeah, they still look great and I'm still selling that product. So it's like the upfront work maybe is a little intimidating or maybe might take you a little bit of time to kind of figure out where those places in your house are and kind of, you know, your setup situation. But then it pays dividends on the time that you spend upfront. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Totally. (laughs) That's my mantra in life. (laughs) So what kind of background would you recommend if we are going to stay away from white? Like, do you have any resources that you like or suggestions in that term? Yes. Okay. So there are a couple of different things. So like, this depends on how budget conscious you are. But let's say you're like, I got to do this with the least amount of money out as possible. Go to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever your home improvement store choice is. And you can go to the kind of the plywood section. And you want to look for the thicker plywood that doesn't like bend a whole bunch. But there's usually some Home Depots have this and some don't. So it might be good to call ahead if you don't know. But they'll usually have pre-cut out size boards that are like, say, two foot by two foot, three foot by three foot, four by foot by four foot. So depending on the size of your product and the space you need to be able to capture it, you're going to want to buy a back rat, like a plywood that is the right size for you. Most people that a lot of the Etsy shop stuff, like if it's you're selling jewelry or a small blanket that you have folded up or something like that, a two foot by two foot board is going to be plenty for you. And then you're going to go to the paint department and you're going to look for their little, you can either look for their pre-done little sample size paints that are like, essentially looks like the size of a coffee mug, or you can specifically like choose and have them put together, uh, what is it, mix a specific color for you. And I suggest keeping it simple. Like I use a light gray or a light brown a lot in these backdrops that I create. So I would buy two of these boards and I would buy one that is and paint it white, even though I told you not (laughs) to use white as a backdrop. You're going to use this as like a pretend wall in the background if you need it, which will also work to like bounce light back into and fill in. So you're going to buy two of these boards. One of them you're going to paint white. And the other one, you're going to paint a simple, I suggest neutral color, but it also depends on what it is that you're selling on what's going to look good. If you're selling something that is brighter and maybe like white, a slightly darker background is going to do well because the contrast is going to help them separate. If you photograph a lot of darker things, or if you sell a lot of darker things, you don't want to get a darker background because then that's going to be uh, hard for you. But like start with like a middle gray or think of your brand colors and something that's going to look good with the tonality of the rest of your business and pick that. So paint them and then you have your own backdrop and it's, you have it forever. 
So do you then just stand up that whiteboard behind your your painted board? Are you able to see both of them in the picture? Or are you just using that one to reflect? So it depends on two things. If you're doing a flat lay where you are looking at from a bird's eye view, like looking down directly from the camera's angle down directly flat on the background, then you won't see that other whiteboard. But sometimes you're going to have items depending, and this 100% depends on what it is that you sell. Some items, you're not going to want to have that bird's eye view. You're going to want to have an angle where you're either looking into the frame. And in that case, then you're going to be able to see that white background behind that you're using as a wall. Okay. So you'll see that a lot like I know this is a little bit different of a genre, but like food photography, you never see food from, well, not never, you usually don't see food photos from directly above. It's kind of at like a three quarters angle. Okay. Looking in so you can see the front a little bit and you can see the back a little and you can usually see a background. You might see that with jewelry or like wine bottles as well, where you're not just looking straight down. And that's where it's nice to have the other board that you painted white. If that doesn't work, then you are going to still want to buy a 16 by 20 white foam core board for like $2 at the drugstore. Okay. And that one would definitely be just for bouncing light, right? Just for bouncing light. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, I like the bright and airy and the lack of shadows, it's not the fact that your light that you're using doesn't have shadows to begin with. It's the fact that you have a white foam core board. And I say the foam core board because it stands up by itself if you prop it up, where if like you use a white piece of paper, it's going to flop down. So that's why the white foam core boards are really nice. And they're also super light so that they don't they don't affect the scene by um, weighing anything down. But you have the window coming in from one side and you put that white board directly on the other side. So it's like, parallel to the window and that light that comes in the window is coming across and what is normally causing shadows on your product is going to hit the white board and that board's going to reflect it think of like a pool game you know how you hit a ball and it hits the wall and it bounces back out of you that's what the light is doing and that white board is filling in those shadows and the closer you get that white board to your product the less shadows you're going to have. The farther away you get that whiteboard from your product, the more distinctive your shadows are going to be. Yeah. And I would really encourage people to go out and get one of these foam core boards and play around with it because it's actually kind of neat when you sit down and do it, like to watch how the shadows like disappear and all of a sudden you have a more equal light than maybe really exists. And I think that that is a really good point that you made that these photographs that you see online on Instagram or on, you know, some sort of store Mm -hmm. website or whatever, like they didn't come out of the camera like that. They weren't just, you know, even like candid shots that you see from like an Instagram influencer or something. They're not really candid, like they're staged and they're making sure the light is okay. And then they're editing them afterwards and everything. 100%. Nothing is real. Right. (laughs) But I think it's discouraging sometimes when you are not a very good photographer. And I would definitely put myself in that camp where you look at these pictures and you're like, well, how come when I snap this picture on my phone, it looks crappy and this person's looks so good, but it's because they've done all these other steps to lay that foundation. It didn't, they're just not like 
I mean, they may be a better photographer than me, but that's not the only thing that's going into it. Yeah. They looked for the light and then like specifically thinking about like influencers and like people who are like a lot of mommy bloggers and stuff that just happen to take all of these magical photos of them and their kids all of the time. I'm always laughing because I'm like, who's taking these photos? Because my life does not. You mean you don't have a personal photographer that follows you around? (laughs) Like I am a professional photographer and I'm not in any of my own photos, (laughs) but they're looking a, all of these moments are 100% staged and they're looking for where the light looks best. So that's another thing that an amateur photographer does versus a professional photographer is you as an amateur will look for a background or like, Oh, this background looks really cute. Let's take a picture here and not pay any attention to the light when in reality your background matters minimal the light matters 100% and i'm talking right now specifically about more people photos even though it works for product photos too but like i will go and take pictures of somebody who's standing right next to a trash can like they can be by a dumpster if that light looks good yeah there might be a really cool wall next to you but the light looks really crappy and i'm not going to use that wall because the picture's not going to stand out because the light is less than amazing. (laughs) And I think that as people who are like dabbling in the world of photography, but are not actually photographers, a lot of times the lighting in the photo becomes another one of those things, like you said, with the angles of the picture, like you look at a picture and you say, why does that one look better to me? Why does that look more exciting? Or why does that one look more fun? Or why does that product look like it's like more cheerful than mine, even if it's the same picture or the same type of product? And so much of that goes back to the lighting. So if people are wondering why she is hammering in on this lighting, that is why. It's because the lighting sets the whole mood for the picture. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I'm totally going to butcher this quote, but there is a famous quote about photography and it's photography in general is painting with light. No, that's nice. That's a nice visual. Right? You're finding the thing and the light is what is talking to the camera and the subject just happens to be what the light is painted on. So pay attention to the light. And so many people are like, yeah, I hear lighting, but what does that actually mean? And I get you. Like, it can be really confusing when when you don't know what you're looking at. But the two things to start honing your eye is to look at the highlight, which is the brightest part, and the shadow, which is the darkest part. Make sure uh, the highlights are not overwhelming and not distracting. And make sure the shadows, you have some but they are also not so dark that it is distracting as well. Okay. I think that that is such good advice, Becca, and that some people are going to have such a good starting point now to get started on the photography. Do you have any other tips that we need to take into account as Etsy sellers or product photographers for these Etsy products? Yeah. My last tip would be to do competitor research. So, so much of what your trying to do to try and get those sales is to stand out against the people that are, you know, who have the same keywords as you, right? Because so if I'm like, I want a personalized mug, and that's what I type into Etsy, seeing what everyone else who has that same ranking and same will show up along with your items, you want your photos and your stuff to look better than theirs but also different than theirs. Like, and this is a thing that I think a lot of people 
accidentally do. They look at it and they go, oh, that's working for so-and-so shop. So I'm just going to do the same thing. And you don't want to do that because then you're going to just stand like you're going to blend in. You know, it's the same. I don't know how much if you guys have read the book Purple Cow by Seth Godin, but his whole thing about marketing is to do things and be different than what your competitors are doing. Because if you're driving along country road and all you see is cows, you're going to stop noticing the cows. But as soon as you see a purple cow, you're going to stop and notice, right? Because you're going to be like, what's going on with that cow? So it's the same type of thing when you're talking about your photos, because your photos are that first impression. You want them to look good, but you don't want to mimic or copy exactly what your competitors are doing because then everyone just turns back into a brown cow and people are just going to be on autopilot and glaze right past you. I think that that is so crucial across the board with Etsy, but including with the photography is to not just to do competitor research. I 100% agree. You need to know what else is out there and what your products are compared against, especially on Etsy because they're compared right next to each other. But that doesn't mean that a shop that's got 10,000 sales, you just need to create the exact same shop and you're going to have that same kind of success. No, all you're going to do is dilute both of your guys' value by doing that. So I definitely say, okay, if you look at somebody, say, let's go back to the, you know, monogrammed mugs, if that's what you do, or like um, your own mugs, look at another shop that is killing it. Like you definitely want to go and see what's working for sure and see how consistent and how their images look similar to each other. That's on purpose. Look and see what angles that they're using because that you could definitely take that into your own consideration and then take your own photo and find a background or use a background that works for you and for like the right coloring and the right situation that makes it your own and then replicate that. Don't replicate what they're doing. Yes, that is great advice. I do have one thing to go back to the backgrounds where I talked about how you can go to. Home Depot and, you know, do a DIY situation on your backdrop. Mm -hmm. There are other options there. And this is not an affiliate link at all. But there is a gal who runs a company called Replica Surfaces. Replica Surfaces. And her backgrounds that are about a two by two in size, she's got a whole slew of different kinds of backgrounds, like a butcher block or a subway tile, or it looks like... uh, pink marble or it looks like gray marble. There's all of these different things and you can purchase them. They're like $80. They're not inexpensive, but if you think of the simple fact that you spend the $80 and you always have a beautiful background to to photograph on, it's an expense worth making. I have a handful of her backdrops and they are fabulous to use. And I just put them next to my window and I use the fill card and I take the pictures and they look great. That's good to know. What was that website again? Replica Surfaces. Okay, Replica Surfaces. I'll have to check that out. R-E-P-I-L-C-A-S-U-R-F-A-C-E-S dot com, Surfaces. Well, Becca, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing all of your photography expertise for those of us that are not skilled yet in this direction. <laughs> where can people just take a little practice? <laughs> where can people connect with you and find out more about you and what you offer? 
Yeah. So my website is RebeccaEllison.com. And uh, I write a lot on my blog about DIY photo tips for Instagram and also for product photos. So I kind of do a little bit of that as well as like how to market your business as a small business. I like doing all of those things. So you can find a lot of free information there. And then if you want to follow me over on Instagram, it's Rebecca Ellison Creative. All right. That is great. Thank you again so much for being here and for sharing all of your knowledge with us. You are welcome. It was fun to be here. (laughs) 